today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The only litmus test to know whether or not a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, which by the way, is still a gift of the Holy Spirit for us today. They're companion gifts, as it's been referred to. The word of knowledge is a supernatural word given to you by God, and the word of wisdom is what you do in response to the word of knowledge. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. A word of knowledge or wisdom is a gift that's given to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. As you listen to Pastor J.D.'s message, he shares with you today that there are multiple gifts given by the Spirit. One of these gifts is the gift of knowledge. And the way to know if it's from God is if it has come to pass and if it aligns with His Word. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 32 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Let's jump in verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar. For then, verse 2, the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison, which was in the king of Judah's house. Now, it's um, pretty common. We're all prone to kind of read the first two verses and just move on past them. But I think we would do, we would err greatly to do so because these first two verses are going to be germane to our understanding. They provide us with some very important information and details. Now, we've talked about this before. The book of Jeremiah is not in chronological order, but here we have this specificity in the timeline. It places this, and this is going to be important, it places this at the start of the Babylonian siege, which lasted, some believe, about a year. So why is that important? Because at the time that Jeremiah records and receives this word from the Lord and this prophecy, the Babylonians have already besieged Jerusalem. They're right outside the city walls, where they would be for well nigh one year before they ultimately destroy Jerusalem and take captive the Israelites to Babylon, where they'll be for 70 years. So this is one of those times where we got to use our God-given imagination and put ourselves there, because again, this really happened. Could you imagine the amount of trauma and stress where you would look out your window, and what would you see surrounding Jerusalem? All of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, just waiting there, starving you out. And many would die by virtue of the fact 
that the food supply was cut off. They're living out of their pantries. They're living out of their closet. Whatever they've got, that's what they've got. There's nothing coming in because the Babylonians are right outside the city gate. Now we'll see that here in a moment, but this is very important information. We're also given some other information here concerning Jeremiah. At the time that he writes this, he's incarcerated, he's in prison, which will come into play as well, as we'll see. And here's why. Here's why Jeremiah is in prison. For Zedekiah, king of Judah, had shut him up locked him up, saying, Why do you prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall take it, and Zedekiah king of Judah shall not escape from the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him face to face, and see him eye to eye. Then he shall lead Zedekiah to Babylon, and there he shall be until I visit him, says the Lord. Though you fight with the Chaldeans, you shall not succeed. Whoa, that was all one sentence with a question mark. Do you need to catch your breath? <laughs> I might need to. Well, why, why do we need to know this? Because this is a textbook case of, you don't like the message? You lock up and shut up the messenger. I don't like what you're saying, Jeremiah, especially what you're saying about me, because I'm that King Zedekiah that you're prophesying and saying that I'm going to be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon, and I'm not going to escape from the hand of the Chaldeans, and I'm going to be face to face, eye to eye, and I'm going to be led to Babylon, and then the Lord's going to visit me there, and I'm going to die there. I don't want to hear that. So shut up. I know that makes people feel uncomfortable, but that's what he did. He shut him up. He locked him up. So there he sits in a prison and never imagined that it's a prison cell like we know today. This is in a dungeon. We're even given the detail again in verse 2 where this was located. But he's there incarcerated, imprisoned, no visitors. Oh, he's going to have a visitor, actually. We're going to see that here in a moment. And Jeremiah said, verse 6, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, will come to you saying, Buy my field, which is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption is yours to buy it. Okay, now, we're not given again the specifics as to how this word of knowledge came. We just know that this word of knowledge came to Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah, your cousin is going to come and visit you. You haven't had any visitors, but you're going to have a visitor there in prison. And uh, this is Hanamo. You remember him? He's from your hometown of Anathoth. You know, the priestly town, his hometown, you know, the town that wanted to kill him. And not just the, you know, his hometown, but actually his own family had hatched a plot to kill Jeremiah because of what he was prophesying. So as was the custom in the day, and we learned this in our study through the book of Ruth, you had to find kin to redeem the land, because the, you wanted to keep the wealth within the family as it were. 
So you would find a kinsman that had the right to purchase the land, redeem and buy the property, and they were known as the kinsman redeemer. The typology of course in the book of Ruth is just off the charts. What a book. But he's the kinsman redeemer. He qualifies as a next of kin, and he can redeem and buy this land, this property that his cousin is now going to come as the word of the Lord would come to Jeremiah and say to him, buy this field. Okay, now (laughs) this would make absolutely no sense whatsoever to Jeremiah. In fact, at first probably he's likely to maybe be dismissive of it. Like, first of all, who's buying real estate right now? Secondly, this is my cousin that's coming. And, you know, we didn't leave on very good terms last time, if I'm not mistaken. He was part of that plot to kill me. I haven't talked to Hanamel in quite a while. And, um, and then, not only that, but the Babylonians already captured all of the cities close in proximity to Jerusalem. Now Anathoth was probably three, four miles from Jerusalem. Maybe a good way to see it and say it would be that Kaneohe is Jerusalem and Anathoth is Kailua, the next town over. That's how close it is. So we, and we'll see this again in a moment, but they'd already captured all the cities. They already owned technically, leasehold I guess, all of the land. And so here's Jeremiah, and I'm kind of setting the stage here because again it's going to be germane to our understanding. He he gets a word from the Lord that his cousin is going to come and say to him, buy my field as the kinsman, the next of kin, redeem the land, and it's yours to buy. You know, I got other problems right now. I'm really not interested. This can't be the Lord. This makes absolutely no sense at all. I knew I shouldn't have eaten that pizza that they gave me last night in my cell. Then, verse 8, Hanamu, my uncle's son, came to me, in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said to me, Please buy my field that is in Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is yours, and the redemption yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. You think? It happens exactly as the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Jeremiah. We don't know how much time has lapsed between when Jeremiah was on the receiving end of this word and the time that actually Hanamel comes and does exactly what God said he was going to do. Now Jeremiah is probably really struggling right about now because he knows, well now first of all, he <laughs> this is the only litmus test to know whether or not a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, which by the way is still a gift of the Holy Spirit for us today. They're companion gifts as it's been referred to. The word of knowledge is a supernatural word 
given to you by God, and the word of wisdom is what you do in response to the word of knowledge. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom. These are gifts available, gifts of the Holy Spirit for the body of Christ today. The gifts have not ceased. I don't want to get into cessationism. and No, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for us today. They have not ceased. So this was a word of knowledge. And this was, I love this about Jeremiah. I knew that this was the word of the Lord. Why? Because it came to pass exactly as God said it would be. Now, if it came to pass 99.999999%, it's not the Lord. It has to be 100%. That's how you know it's the Lord. But back, back to Jeremiah. Now again, picture yourself there. Jeremiah, hey, you have a visitor. I do? Someone's coming here to visit me? Are you sure this isn't a trick? <laughs> yeah, it's your cousin, Enamel. Really? What does he want? Well, I don't know. Do you want to see him? I guess so. It's might as well. It's kind of kind of lonely in here. So here he comes, and it's like, hey, cuz, have I got a deal for you? I'm kind of um, uh, interested in the passionate plea when he says to Jeremiah, please buy my field. You know why? Because it kind of indicates to me that he already tried to sell it. No, no, stay with me. Uh, Jeremiah was not his first choice. He was next in line, next of kin, but he already tried to list it, you know, with uh, Anathoth Realty and who's going to buy it? It's, it's worth nothing. So he kept dropping the price. No buyers. Nobody wants it. Are you kidding? First of all, who's buying right now anyway? And I think Jeremiah would have known this. And th that's got to add to the struggle, right? I mean, first of all, the word of the Lord comes to me. I guess this is the word of the Lord. This makes absolutely no sense at all. Why in the world would the word of the Lord come to me to buy real estate at a time like this? I mean, I'm incarcerated for crying out loud. I'm not in the market. And so, please, please, because you're like my last resort. Oh, don't you feel special when you're the last choice? Kind of like when you get invited and, man, we couldn't get anybody. Can you come and, you know, speak? We tried everybody on our list, and you were like number 923. And so, anyway, verse 9. So I bought the field from Hanamo, <laughs> the son of my uncle who was in Anathoth, and weighed out to him the money, 17 shekels of silver. Now, I don't know what that would be worth in modern day terms, nor is it necessarily important, but interesting, 17 shekels. And, verse 10, I signed the deed and sealed it, took witnesses, and weighed the money on the scales. Now, you would think that, oh hey, let's just agree on a handshake, no need for title deed. It's not worth anything anyway. I don't know how they arrived at the 17 shekels of silver, but that's what we're told. So what's happening here? Well, first of all, Jeremiah is being obedient and faithful, but there's more to it than that. In effect, Jeremiah is putting his money 
where his mouth is. And I'll explain. He's practicing what he preached. What did he preach? Oh, he prophesied that God was going to bring the captives back to Judah and restore them. All the cities of Judah, including Anathoth. And so, Jeremiah, do you really believe what you're preaching? Do you really believe the prophecies you're prophesying? Because if you really believed it, you wouldn't have any problem buying this worthless piece of property that I can't get anybody to buy. And you shouldn't have any problem paying me 17 shekels of silver to buy it, because after all, it's going to be worth something one day, according to your prophecies, by the way. I mean, you don't see it now, but by faith, if God is true to His Word, and He is, 70 years, you all are coming back. And if that's true, then put your money where your mouth is. Put your faith where your mouth is. This this is the faith that is defined in Hebrews as that which is hoped for, the evidence of that which is yet unseen. I don't see it, but by faith I believe it. This is faith, man. And he buys it. I almost, and you'll forgive me, I know that they have clinical terms for people who think like this, but I'm just kind of wondering if Hanamel is going, thank you God. I don't know if he's thanking God, but wow, he bought it. I can't believe it. Kind of like Swampland in, you know, he bought, I can't, he bought it. I couldn't get anybody to buy it. He bought it. We better ink this thing as quick as we can. Get him in, into the closing office before he changes his mind and has buyer's remorse. Well, that's what they do. Verse 11, so I took the purchase deed, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom, and that which was open. And I gave the purchase deed to Baruch, the son of Neriah, son of Messiah. By the way, archaeological digs have uncovered evidence of this transaction. See, they would put them in those earthen jars like were found in what we affectionately refer to as the Dead Sea Scrolls. For those of you that have been to Israel with us, when we go to Qumran, that's how they were preserved. We're going to see that here in a moment. So they've actually found the seals, the documents, the, the, the vessels that these kinds of title deeds were in. There was one seal I found, I didn't have enough time, but uh, very interesting, it actually had Baruch's name on it. Baruch, the son of Nara. I love it. You know what they do, by the way, this is uh, uh, just real quick, parenthetically, let me just share this with you. I love this about the Word of God. You know when archaeologists dig and they find something, how are they going to know what they found? Whoa, this looks like it's really ancient. It is. I wonder what it is. What have we just found? I don't know. Let's go to the Bible. And they go to the Bible to authenticate their archaeological find. And everything in the Bible can be archaeologically proven. Evidence. Unbelievable. Remember, I hate the clock. Accessory of Philippi. Evidence all over the place that this actually happened. So 
in the presence of the witnesses who signed the purchase deed before all the Jews who sat in the court of the prison. Okay, again, picture the scene here. You're still there with me, right? Okay. You got a lot of people here. And they're witnessing, eyewitnesses of this transaction, the acquisition of this property, the signing of the purchase deed, the sealing of it according to the law, and then the placing of it in the vessel. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but they're all there to witness it. Now why is this kind of a detail recorded for us? Because they're watching this from the sidelines, and they're saying to themselves, hmm, he's buying this Maybe he's right. Maybe what he's been saying and preaching and prophesying is right. He really believes that we're going to come back after the captivity. And they're witnesses of it. Oh, would to God that like Jeremiah, the world would be witness to our faith in the God of the impossible. Because you got to know they're watching this thing going, no way. Jeremiah is like, way, way. You're witness to it. Then verse 13, I charged Baruch before them, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, verse 14, the God of Israel, Take these deeds, both this purchase deed, which is sealed, and this deed, which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel, that they may last many days. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, listen, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. Now, verse 16, when I had delivered the purchase deed to Baruch, the son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord, saying, verse 17, And oh, how I wish you could capture this in the English language, as faulty as it is. But I mean, it is a passionate, deep sigh. (gasps) Lord God, behold! In other words, (laughs) and I'm so glad, and to Jeremiah's credit, he's not doing this publicly. I mean, the the deal's done, it's been signed, sealed, delivered, Baruch's got it, we've got witnesses, they're gone. Here's Jeremiah, goes back to his prayer closet slash prison dungeon of a cell. God! (laughs) What? What? What just happened? Did this just happen? This makes absolutely no sense. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. And here it is. There is nothing too hard for you. Translated, right? Because I just signed a deal here, 17 shekels. I just bought property that nobody wanted, that's worth nothing, by faith. And you promised, and you had me prophesy that we're going to come back and re-inhabit after the captivity, these cities and these properties and this land. It doesn't seem like it's possible. 
I mean, from where I'm sitting, it looks like there's no way that's going to happen. But I know there's nothing too hard for you, right? Is he questioning? I think he is. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Jeremiah is one of those books that's not the easiest to walk through in the Old Testament. It's almost like you see the train wreck that's up ahead and you want to warn them, but they just don't listen. Then you have other verses in this book that are commonly claimed, but what does it really mean in the context of what's going on? Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. But if you're looking at the train wreck up ahead, you wonder, how does claiming that verse fit with exile and judgment? Ultimately, God's plan and purpose are to bring people back to himself in reliance and dependence on him, not in their own possessions or their comfort. The same could be said for you today. You may be going through something that seems like judgment or exile, but are you drawing closer to the Lord in the process? There's a future and a hope, but it may play out differently than you'd like. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Jeremiah, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com to find these messages. There are a variety of additional resources on our website. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and then come back for our next edition where Pastor J.D. will continue on in the book of Jeremiah. We look forward to that time with you here on In Spirit and Truth.